0: Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought provoking, profession shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Tobin Asher, Associate Director of Global Partnerships for the Virtual Human Interaction Lab at Stanford University, discusses empathy and virtual reality. Thank you, everyone, for joining us at the Learning Innovation Theater for empathy and virtual reality. Tobin Asher will be presenting. He's the Associate Director of Global Partnerships at the Virtual Human Interaction Lab at Stanford University. Thank you, Rachel. Hi, everybody. My name's Tobin. And we're going to talk about empathy and virtual reality. Before I get into that topic matter, I want to start with a fun little exercise here. So here we have a slide, and there's a bunch of colored dots on it. And can any of you make out a number? Uh, Who here sees the number five? Does anyone see the number two? So this is great. Nobody here is colorblind. Uh, I'm not diagnosing anybody, but uh, essentially people with normal color vision would be seeing a five, which is what most of you are seeing. People like myself with certain forms of red, green, colorblind are seeing the number two. And I start with this exercise because for me virtual reality especially when we're talking about empathy and perspective taking is all about asking this question through what lenses do we experience the world and what would it be like to get a glimpse of another person's reality so here again is the regular slide and through the magic of Photoshop. I'm giving you a sense of what it's like to look at this thri- slide through my eyes, the number two. And for the rest of this talk, I'm going to be speaking more specifically about virtual reality. And asking these questions. Can VR promote empathy? What does the research say? Do the effects last? And then really importantly, is empathy the goal should we be striving to promote empathy with virtual reality? And in a longer talk, which I'll be giving uh, a little bit later today, I'll go into more depth about what virtual reality is and and why we might use it in other contexts. Uh, But for the sake of time, I'm sticking specifically to empathy here. And If you've read the news about virtual reality and empathy you've seen a lot of these headlines claiming VR to be the ultimate empathy machine and saying that this this is the tool that we can best use to teach empathy and then we've seen some skeptics right oh maybe it's not actually gonna work maybe we can't really use this this medium for promoting perspective taking so As a research lab at Stanford University, I like to ask this question. What does the research really say about this? And a little bit of background. I'm from the Virtual Human Interaction Lab at Stanford, as as Rachel said. And what we study are the psychological and behavioral effects of VR, of this medium. So how does it affect people not only when they're in the experience, but also once they've left it, once they've come back into the real world, how do these effects stay with them? And... You can see here in this image uh, a whole range of headsets. Our lab has been around since 2003, so you're seeing uh, some of the newer headsets here and then some of the really old ones which weigh many, many pounds and are very heavy. So a fun little bit of history there. And when it comes to empathy, I like to read this quote by Jeremy Balanson. And Jeremy Balinson is the faculty director at our lab. He says, VR creates experiences. Experiences can cause empathy, but it depends on what you're doing. Think about video or the written word. Neither automatically creates empathy, but each can if a piece is carefully crafted. So really thinking about VR as a medium, and it's really about what we do with it that has an impact on people. So I want to go back to this slide here of the colorblind test. And we actually ran a study in our lab many years ago in which we had some participants become colorblind in virtual reality. They put on the VR headset, and the world around them, they were seeing through a filter as if they were someone who was colorblind. And then some people went into the same world but did not see the world as if they were colorblind. After they come out of the experience, they're told the experience is over, but there's someone who's working on a computer over here, and they're colorblind, and if you want to, you can spend some time helping them with the color schemes. People who became colorblind in VR spent twice as much time helping that person than someone who did not become colorblind. So six minutes as opposed to three minutes, on average. So here's some early evidence that, okay, taking a perspective in VR can shift behavior. But I also really like to talk about how nuanced this really is. And uh, 10 years ago, uh, we ran a study in which uh, you, as a, it, you uh, would go into virtual reality, and if you were a white person, you would take on the avatar of, of someone who is African American. And what we found is that in this particular study, this actually increased bias after you went through the experience. And there's a number of reasons that this might have occurred. Uh, one theory is something called stereotype activation, that because you're presented um, uh, with with someone who may you who maybe you associate stereotypes about, that brings up those biases, and therefore, afterwards in measures, you show more bias. There has been a lot of research since that has also shown a decrease in bias or an increase in empathy and perspective taking. And so I I show this slide and talk about this study, not to say that it can't promote empathy, but to talk about how nuanced this material really is and that we shouldn't just dive into it, assuming that you put on the headset, become someone of a different race or a different gender, and automatically you feel more empathy towards that person. So can VR promote empathy? Yes, in some situations it seems, uh, but it's nuanced. And so to really delve deeper into this question, we wanted to look at empathy at scale. What happens when we look at not just a few dozen college students, but hundreds of participants uh, from a wide range of demographics and not just university students? And in this study, we were also looking at the long-term effects. If we can promote empathy, how long does it last? So for this piece, uh, we created an experience in which you go through what it's like to lose your home and become homeless. And we actually have a demo of this two floors up if you want to experience it for yourself. But essentially what happens in the piece is you go in in the first-person perspective, you lose your job, you get evicted from your home. You have to live out of your car, and when, you're, uh, when you receive many citations and have to pay a large number of fines that you can't afford, you sell your car, and you're forced to live on, a, live on a bus. This is all based on real experiences of people that we spoke to and experts in the field. So the idea is, in going through this first-person perspective, can we promote empathy for people who are living without homes? And this was a longitudinal study, which uh, means that we were taking measures not only immediately after they went through the experience, but also many weeks out. So in this study, we were looking two, four, and eight weeks, up to two months after someone had gone through the VR experience, really asking this question, what are the lasting effects of going through this experience? In order to measure empathy, we have a number of different scales that we can use. So this is just a few of them. One of them that you see that looks like a bunch of Venn diagrams, that one's called the inclusion of other and self scale. So how similar do you feel, in this case, to someone who is homeless? The one over here uh, is called the dehumanization scale. And you're asked to rank, again, in this case, how evolved do you think someone who's homeless is? And when I talk about this, people tend to be surprised. I think most people would assume that Everyone's a human being, and we'd all rank everybody as the most evolved, but this actually is not the case. So this is a scale that we can use to see how, how much do you think of someone else as an equal human being. The, the bottom image here is showing someone signing a piece of paper, and that's because we also like to always have behavioral measures in any study that we do. This is because we find that what people say and what people do can be very different, so we like to capture, actually, is there a shift in in behavior? And so in this study, we are having people sign a petition. Are you willing to have your taxes increased in order to support more affordable housing? This was based off a real proposition in California at the time. And what are the findings? So in self-report measures, we do see that people who go through the VR condition versus a traditional perspective taking condition in which you're just told to imagine the narrative as opposed to going through VR. Um, Those in the VR condition do report greater empathy immediately after the experience. And in the behavioral measure, we have a significantly greater number of participants who are willing to sign that petition. What about in the long term? We find that over the course of two months, there actually is no longer a difference in empathy But those who went through the VR condition compared to those in the control condition still have more positive attitudes towards the homeless, see them as more evolved. So this long-term humanization effect persists. And I think this is really important key to highlight. It actually makes sense that empathy does not persist for two months. When we think about what empathy is, it is sharing in the emotional state of another person. If that state is of distress that is very taxing for one to stay in. So I don't know if that's the goal, is to promote empathy for long periods. But can we shift long-term attitudes as to the way that we see other people? Yes, maybe. And I think that is a really powerful finding from this. So really asking this question, is empathy the goal? And this leads me to the last project I want to talk about. And it's a piece called 1,000 Cut Journey. Uh, This is an image of Dr. Courtney Cogburn. She's a researcher at Columbia University where she studies racism and its effects on health. And if I had a longer time, I'd play you a clip of her talk. She has a brilliant TED Talk. I definitely would recommend going online and watching her talk. But one of the things she talks about with regard to uh, racism is what would it take not just to feel bad or to say that you care about about racism but to act and think differently again going beyond empathy and so the piece that we created in collaboration with Dr. Cogburn is a piece called 1000 Cut Journey uh, which is looking to address racism by going through VR in the first person perspective and you start uh, You're taking the perspective of uh, an African-American male through three different stages of his life. Uh, The first stage, uh, he's in grade school, very young, and uh, the other students exclude him. They call him names. He is uh, punished by the teacher for doing the same actions that the other students were doing that were white. Then you're a teenager, uh, and you're going out to play basketball with your friend who is white and the cops pull you over and this is a stop and frisk scene. In the final scene, you're an adult. You go in for a job interview uh, and the interviewer comes out and assumes that the white candidate is the one from Yale, even though you are. He doesn't even notice you until the secretary points you out. Uh, and later on, you get a phone call saying that while you're very qualified, you're not a good cultural fit for the agency. So the whole idea of this piece is to uh, show racism over the course of a lifetime, that it's not just any one thing, the whole idea of the title, 1,000 Cut Journey, that it cuts away over time. And the the narrative and the content uh, is really the the brainchild of Dr. Cogburn and her team at Columbia. Um, so with that piece, uh, we have premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival, uh, and it's gained a lot of interest by a lot of companies who are interested in diversity and inclusion training uh, and that's one of the reasons why we we, we ended up here at, at this conference is is because a lot of people are thinking about how to use VR in the workplace to promote to promote more equity inclusion diversity and as I hope you've started to gather from this talk VR can be a very powerful tool uh, it is important to think about how we're using it it's not automatically, like I said, going to promote empathy, but there is the potential for using this in a, in a very powerful way. These are just some responses that we've, we've gotten to uh, 1000 Cut Journey, people who have, have written their initial reaction after going through it. So some final questions I wanna leave you with before I take some questions, before I run out of time. What are the experience, VR experiences we're creating and consuming? whether it's in the workplace, whether it's on our own, we know that VR can have a profound effect. So really thinking about what are we creating for maybe our employees, or what are we consuming for ourselves? How do these experiences affect users? And how can we really use this medium for pro-social uses to expand and deepen our lived experience? With that, and with the five minutes I have left, I would love to take any questions that you have. Great, so the question is how to roll this out to interact with a larger audience. Uh, There's a number of ways. One is VR is becoming much more scalable. So right now, uh, I should say Thousand Cut Journey is also available upstairs if you want to see it. Uh, So we have booths, and right now most VR experiences that are super interactive do have to be one headset at a time and are somewhat limited. But there are more headsets coming out that are self-contained. They don't need a a heavy-duty computer. They're cheaper to run. So you could have them roll out on a large scale. Um, Some companies are already installing VR headsets. So uh, Walmart is using VR for training their employees. They have 17,000 headsets. I think, three to five in each of their stores across the, all of the United States, and employees can go in and use those for training. Uh, there's also, you know, using this as a, as a as a springboard for discussion. So one of the things that we do with Thousand Cut Journey is sometimes we have a lot of people go through it, sometimes we have one person go through it while other people watch and we can project it on the screen, and then have a large discussion around it. Um, so... I think generally speaking, VR is not great just on its own. It's always best in a, in a larger context. So if you were to use it for training, uh, diversity training, you would have it as part of a larger curriculum. It wouldn't just be on its own. Another question? Probably time for one more. All right, well, uh, if there are no other questions. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for tuning into What's Next. Have an idea or point of view? Want to record a podcast of your own? Visit cornetglobal.org podcast.